You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello again. Joining me this week is Simon, regular contributor to the EssentialApple.com website. How are you doing, Simon? You've had another beta drop this week from uh, what we've been discussing in the Slack room. Have there been any real sort of new and noticeable features? Because I, uh, I've i fallen out of love with doing betas on the Mac ever since you get a nice shiny beta and it just seems to go like grease lightning. And then as it goes along, it just gets slower and slower. Any performance issues or have you noticed any real Really nice features coming down the pipeline. Uh, yes, beta eight has just appeared, so uh, I haven't actually installed it yet, but I will probably do that after the show. Uh, it's hard to say, really, Mark. Um, performance seems to be fine. Performance has been stable. Uh, the only, the only thing is, I've been doing it so long now, I've kind of forgotten what bits are different from standard, as it were. Um. So no, I'm probably the worst person to ask because I just install them because I can, to be honest. <laughs> there we are. Um, I don't think I've got any real sort of news this week, uh, although I have been able to make phone calls with one AirPod. Uh, that's been a, a vast improvement. Uh, did I, yeah, um, what else did I do this week? Oh, I should have been prepared for the show almost. It is Mothering Sunday and I did go out last night, so I'm recording this in a fog of uh, post-alcoholism. What at all? <laughs> well, yeah, so, oh, did we, did last week I mention the fact that I went and spoke to Apple uh, online and within about 10 minutes they'd arranged a mail-in replacement for me? Uh, no. Oh, right, no. So after the exploits of last week, I literally went on to Apple and I got a little bit shirty. Well, a lot of shirty. I wasn't rude to the guy because A, it's not his fault and B, I'm not that sort of person. But just enough authority to say, look, whatever you've told me to try, I would have tried. Here are my notes. I've been to a store. I'm not traveling five and a half hours to go back to a store. And he went, okay, let me... Yeah, come back to you like they always do. He said, did you leave the store with them working? I went, no. He says, right, okay, let me arrange a mail-in replacement for you. Okay, that's fine. However, you've got to put, they've got to put a charge in your account for the headphones. So in case you don't send them back, you get billed. But for some reason, they want to charge £200, not, um, not the 150 I paid. So I've got to wait now till the you know, the lovely payday to have a charge put against my account and then actually get some working AirPods. Uh, so, well, yeah. That's, that's, that's very strange because whenever I've um, had to send my iPhone back to Apple for a mail-in repair or replacement, they've always said to me, we can, put a, we can send you a phone, like now, if you put a charge against your card and then we will remove that charge when we receive your 
Yeah, well, that's exactly what they want to do with me. But it's just the fact yeah, that I haven't got a card with anything of that. No. <laughs> but what I'm Mark, is then I've always said, yeah, but I haven't got, I don't know, you know, five, six hundred quid on a card for you to charge. So they always say, well, in that case, we do the other one where you have to send your device in first and then we send you a replacement. Ooh, okay. I could probably live without that for live at the AirPods you know, for a while because they don't work. Yeah, two, two, three days. What they always do is they send me a box, and I put the iPhone in the box and mail it to them, and then they do whatever they do, whether it's a repair or a replace, and send it back. And you usually it's usually done in three or four days, and then they don't they don't charge you because. They're not at any risk, are they? No, that's a that's a very I good mean, point. The whole, I, the whole idea the other way is that they send you a working phone immediately while you're on the phone. They go, "Oi, Fred, down in you know down in the warehouse, send Mister Parnell, you know, send him a, a iPhone seven now. Is he's busted?" And they charge you, yeah. But because I've always said, "Well, I I, I can't afford that. I don't have any money for for that." Oh, well, if you don't mind being without your phone for three days, we do the other way round, where you send your device in, and then we, when we receive it, we deal with it and send you one out. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll, um, I'll see if I want, because they didn't offer that to me as a solution, hence my, uh, hence my surprise. The other thing I'd be working on this week is my friend's dreaded iPad Pro. So if you're just listening for the first time, went to the Apple Store, spent three hours in there to come out with an iPad Pro that just won't back up. It always stops at about 1.7 gig. So we've backed it all up. We've deleted all the photos. We've tried to back it up. It still stops at 1.7 gig. Right, okie dokie. Maybe it's iOS being a bit funky. So enroll to the beta, which I, I know probably won't fix a problem if there's an underlying problem, but you can hope. And we try to do a backup, and once again, it stops exactly at 1.76 gig, even with all the photos removed. So the only thing we've got to do now is completely format the, yeah, do a complete factory restore on the iPad Pro, and then see if it backs up. And then if that doesn't back up, finally Apple should be willing to admit it's a hardware problem, uh, and we can go back into the store to back it up. That, that sounds suspiciously to me. But the problem is, if you even if you plug it into um, a Windows PC, you back it up and it says there's not enough space on the C drive. And I'm going, yes, there is. There's 500 gig. On my Mac Mini, I had exactly the same problem. It was saying not enough space. And you've, I've, I have Googled this and I've been in various Reddit threads and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and a lot of people are getting this problem but no one seems to have ever come back and put a resolution in. So if I do get anywhere, um, we I will put it, well, I'll start posting everywhere that there is. But it's just a fact that, again, you go into an Apple store, and this is the one trick for anyone who's going to go into an Apple store, make sure you leave and everything is how you want it. Do not let them pass you off to a telephone person. Do not let them fob you off because they will. And that's something that I never thought I'd say it's I can I sort of understand, you know, why they would do that, but I was just so annoyed that when again I'm still a little bit mad about this, you might under, might um, this might be coming through. That you're there, you spend forty minutes troubleshooting to just get put back to level one and start the whole 
blinking process again. And I haven't written my letter yet. Um, but anyway, we can move on because this takes us nicely into we actually have some Apple news. Now, yes, we're going to be talking about the iPhone and the iPad, and I realize that we're normally the last um, podcast that comes out to talk about all this, but we're going to go for it anyway, because it is Mothering Sunday, and this is going to be a short show, hopefully. Apple released some new products this week. We'll start with the iPhone. Let's go with the iPhone SE, which has had its memory increased. Brilliant. But that's about it. But at least now we are finally out of the land of 16 gigabyte devices. Hurrah! Hurrah! About time. That's all there is to say about that, really, isn't it? It's just a bit strange that they, they've increased the um, storage. They've doubled the storage so that the options now are 32 and 128. But that's all they've done. They've kept the price the same. Fair enough. But they've they've added no new features at all to that phone, which just seemed very strange to me. Very strange. No no new processor, no nothing. Yeah, but is it the right time of year to be adding something into a phone? Because we are just about to hit summer. Well, I think here in the UK we've hit summer this morning, which is why we've lost an hour in bed. It's the iPhone SE to me is when you pick it up and when you hold it, you go, oh my God, I wish more phones could be this light. And when I went back to using my iPhone 5 a good while back, the form factor as a phone is actually quite nice. The form factor as a smartphone is, I think, quite limiting. Because although it's nice, it's really light, and it fits in all your pockets, and it's very powerful considering what it, you know, consider the age of it now. I mean, how old is the iPhone SE now? It's what two years? It's, it's based on the uh, iPhone six internals, if I'm correct. It's basically the iPhone six internals jammed into an uh, an iPhone five case, and it's still very competent bit of kit it really really is but oh when you come to use it and navigate round you just end up getting more and more frustrated my friend with the ipad pro ironically has the iphone se uh, and she often ends up swearing it because she wants to move around a bigger screen and she can't and it's just it, it's not the right device for her it's I, i'm will admit i do like it but I think you alluded to something about Apple seems to be getting a little bit complacent about selling old hardware, but we'll we'll come back to that. So hold, hold that thought. The iPhone SE product red edition. Uh, if I had the same board working, it's not working this week. Lord only. No, it's not the SE, Mark. It's the iPhone 7. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The iPhone 7. 7, 7 yeah. Plus. The iPhone 7 won't product red. Yeah. yeah. That is a case of shut up and take my money. I really, really like that colour, and especially with what it represents as well. However, you do think, and a lot of people have said this, it would look better with the black front on, with the black front fascia. Now, you can get around this if you... I'll have a link in the show notes. You can get a glass screen protector, which is black. You put that on the front of the red phone, and looking from all the images, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It really, really does. You went for... um, What colour did you go for in the end on your iPhone? I have the... uh, Was it the jet black piano shiny black? 
uh, phone, which is really, really nice. Um, but yeah, I like the look of the red. Uh, red is a color I do like. I agree with you. I think it would have looked better with a black face. And uh, obviously, you know, I think product red, they're, uh, you know, their aim is, a, is, is, you know, very laudable to raise money to help fight AIDS in Africa and so on. I just thought it was a strange time to release it. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. It's, well, it's not like we were going to expect any major refresh uh, at this time of the year, but normally we would get some sort of Apple event. We normally get them in March or April, and admittedly there is still time for Apple to come out the bag and say, yes, we're going to do an event. But what could they really announce now? Because they've done a slight product refresh on let's say their their second their first and second tier which is the iPhone and the iPad you could argue the iPad what tier it comes under but i don't know releasing a product now doesn't seem to make sense and now i think i think it's quite likely to be honest in in my view it's quite likely that because the iPad is is a slightly odd refresh to be honest i mean it's 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 heavier it's fatter um, not that there's necessarily, uh, um, there's replaced the air too. So I think it's what a millimeter thicker and, you know, a fraction heavier. Well, the iPad is a strange, strange one. And I was all set to go, you know, again, shut up, take my money. And then I started looking into it because yes, it's a updated iPad. Uh, and providing I've got my, figures right here i'm just going through my show notes here now the actual ipad air 2 has a where's it gone it was in here a second ago so the ipad air 2 actually has a, uh, a tri-core processor where the new ipad only has a dual core processor but it's faster and a lot of, there's been a lot of talk as if to say well is it actually faster or slower than the current ipad air 2 because do you work on cores or do you work on your pure out-and-out grunt? Hmm. That's, that's, that's quite interesting, isn't it? But I, I don't know. That's a... Because the A9X is the overclocked version of the AX, isn't it? Whereas the A9 is just not, it's basically a bump and then a rev. So the AX is the A8X is the faster one. And then you've got the A9, which is the Bogo standard one. I'm not really sure what to make of that um I, a lot of people were saying that the you know that this revision to the ipad is all about pitching it towards education because they've dropped the price to 329 dollars and apparently it's available for education at 299 um making it slightly bit you know slightly thicker might actually make it slightly more robust. But there is a trade-off with that, though, isn't there? Because although they've made it thicker, we st we still don't know. There's been no teardown for the battery at the time of recording. But the one thing that does concern me is where they've cut costs. Now, yeah, okay, they've got to cut costs to get it down to a, what I would actually argue to be a good price. However, they've removed the anti-reflective display coating. 
So if you're there and you've got, excuse me, my voice is going prop here. So if you're there and you've got bright lights, you're just going to be stuck with reflection. And I thought of all the things you would not remove, that would be one of the things because not only have they removed the anti-reflective coating, it, the screen isn't laminated. I, I can't remember what the correct terminology is. It's not pressed right up against the glass, so it looks slightly sunken back as well. So when you're looking at when you look at the screen compared to the newer iPads, where the, it literally looks like you're touching an actual screen, you can now notice that it's actually set back a little bit. So I would have thought that okay, if you're going to inset the screen or not laminate it to the actual glass at least keep you know what i would call an essential being anti-reflective it's all very very strange i have to say i'm not sure that anybody really knows where tablets fit in the computing landscape some people you know really like them and really make heavy use of them some people like me don't really find much use or space for them at all and I'm not sure that even manufacturers are quite sure what they should be doing with them. You know, are they laptop replacements? Are they something else? It, it, it's, it's very, very weird. But I, we've wandered off slightly. And, and my point was going to be that with these sort of fairly minor refresh type items, which have been put out, an iPad, a, a dicker with the SE storage, a, a product red, which is, you know, a very nice product and... Uh, very laudable, but it seems a strange time to be releasing one, is that I suspect these are almost like, oh, well, we can't fit everything in one in, in one press event at the start of April, so let's just slide a few of the less interesting ones out of the door so that when we do have, a, a you know, an event early in April, the things that we do release will not be kind of watered down in the press coverage maybe that's just me being optimistic yeah i I see where you're coming from it does sort of make sense so instead of like tacking it on at the end of the show say and we've released a new ipad and it's got this this and this and this is going to be available for at the for like they normally say at this price uh yeah okay that does make sense but then we're sort of all wondering if Apple are actually going to release anything at all, because the, the almost every Apple-related podcast now sort of has Apple by the standard of, do you what do you actually care about now other than the uh, the iPhone? Because if you look at the Mac lineup, there's been no significant I know upgrade in the Mac, and the it's Mac Pro still being sold at the same price for uh, what it well, is. Actually- it's actually $200 cheaper than it was on launch. Uh, I was listening to Jeff. Yeah. I was listening to Jeff Gamut and Brian Chaffin on the Apple context machine, which is a, a Mac observer podcast. And Brian was getting really quite heated. Um, and I did agree with him because, you know, it's going back to this. He was saying, you know, Apple are just getting far too complacent. At having old technology, you know the the iMac, the current iMac hasn't been refreshed in eighteen months. That's a long time in technology. The Mac Pro hasn't been significantly well or up at all, as far as I know, updated in four years. Four years. Plenty of people 
think it, plenty of people think a computer is at the end of its life after four years. I don't personally agree with that, but that's that's not the point, is it? Four years in technology is forever. And they're selling it for a mere $200 less than when they launched it. Why? Well, bringing it, bringing it back to the iPads, uh, about all technology, the new 27... Uh, new 27- Oh, let's try that again. The new 27, uh, 2017, how hard is it to say that, iPad has the same camera optics as the iPhone 5S. So it's 8 megapixel, 2.4 aperture, can do 1080p video, no uh, optical image stabilization, and a 1.2 on the front, 2.2 aperture, and 720p video. Now, with how prevalent I'm seeing more and more of these out in the wild and people taking pictures, that just seems... It's almost disgraceful, the fact that they are getting away with it now, and it really does feel like they are stretching it a bit too far. And a lot of people are now sort of coming to start thinking, is this Tim Cook's Apple? Is this yeah more... Are we actually seeing what we were all worried about that because Tim Cook came from the supply chain and really getting the most out of profits in product lines? Are we actually see, now starting to see all this seep through? Are we starting to see the Apple of the Tim Cook era where the hardware is going to just keep going and going and going for as long as they can possibly get away with it and then rev it up again? I don't know. I really hope not because that, you know, that would be disgraceful, wouldn't it? That's a disgrace. You know, they're the biggest company on the planet with more money than anybody could possibly imagine. You know, their reserves are larger than several African countries. Uh, and yeah, they're selling old tech and, and they're, 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 Lining their line strategy just seems to be going all to hell. I mean, they're still selling the Mac, uh, sorry, the iPad mini, but that's now $70 more expensive than the 2017 iPad they just released with a lot lesser spec as well, which is a shame because if I was going to go for an iPad, I was considering for ages dropping down to an iPad mini because I don't really do well, that much on it. A lot of, you know, a lot of people seem to be predicting that the iPad Mini is a dead, you know, dead man walking, which is a possibility. But that said, I know a lot of people who find the Mac, the, the iPad Mini, to be the perfect size tablet, and that the nine point seven is too big. So. I don't know. I don't I mean only Apple know the true sales figures. Um, but to kill the to kill the iPad Mini just seems cutting off your nose to spite your face. Really, it does feel with the Mini that they entered the market to bring a device with a certain screen size in, and now we're looking back on it, it feels almost reactive because everyone was saying Apple is doomed unless they release a smaller iPad. And they did. But then it just seems to be like everything apart from the iPhone. They bring a, a new project, product and then it just languishes. There's no... Aside from the iPhone, which gets a regular um, 
a regular thing every year. That seems to be the only product. Now, maybe we're expecting too much to say, okay, uh, bring out a new device every year, bring out a faster iPad every year. Is there actually any value to bringing out a faster iPad every year? Probably not, not because iOS is a damn efficient system. You know, I, I just, I don't demand a new device every year. But, you know, when you're talking about desktop computers and laptops and even iPads, they need to keep moving. Even if all, all you're doing is a, a spec bump, you know, they don't have to be completely re- But then do we not get back into the old world of the PC where, you know, oh, look at that, there's a new processor, right? So I must upgrade because Apple never really played that game. And it's not like we expect an upgrade every year, but at least something. And the one time, every time Tim says, we've got lots of uh, exciting products in the pipeline, I start to cringe because like, okay, we've, you've used this now for a significant amount of time. If I think back to 2016 in my adult memory, I can't, I can't recall what I would say would be the killer product other than an iPhone. I mean, yes, okay, the iPad, uh, not the iPad, the Apple TV, that was a nice little improvement. But other than that... Yeah, but but again, how long was it? How long overdue was the release of the Apple TV version 4? It was well Yeah, overdue. and that, again, this is what Apple seemed to be doing, is that they seem to be waiting to the absolute last point of exacerbation when people are going, oh, come on, Apple, please, do something, do anything. And then they come out with something, and it keeps us happy for a small bit, but then it goes quiet. It's like with all the money and all the people that they've got there, they can only seem to focus on one thing at a time and then work on something else. Hopefully, when they move into this new spaceship campus, that might change. But again, am I just sort of clutching its straws a little bit there? But it's been amazing now that you start to hear a lot of Apple podcasts who are, I'm not going to use the word fanboy, who are dedicated enthusiasts, who love the platform, who love the product, but they're almost starting to feel a little bit embarrassed. I mean, I know I was in work the other day when, you know, we were looking for hardware for for tablets. And because the Apple has still been selling the same product for so long at the same price, we went with the Microsoft route. And then it just hit me. It's like, that's how far the confidence in Apple is slowly being eroded. Now, admittedly, that's in a very small sphere for, you know, us techie types maybe but you're going to start thinking that you know when you see a product in a shop for so long you actually get some sort of blindness to it you start thinking it's like any display you ever see in a shop you get a bit blind to it you turn off from it and that's my worry with apple right now is that people are just you know starting to become blind to the innovation of what they're doing and great you know phil schiller came out of the blocks a couple of years ago saying can't any innovate anymore my ass well okay you did a really good tech demo which is which is now what the uh, the Mac Pro appears to be, but that's really been it. Now maybe, and I've just had this thought. Oh, I hate saying that because I sound like Donald Trump. 
Maybe they're waiting for something. Maybe they've painted themselves into a corner by making things slimmer and slimmer and all that sort of things. But you sort of start to think, are they out of ideas or is it just all down to the money? I mean, this obsession with thinness it kind of has to come to a, an end at some point. You can't keep making things thinner and thinner. It just it doesn't it doesn't work, does it? As we can see by the fact that this new iPad is actually a bit fatter. And really, does anybody care? You know, my iPhone is quite thin enough. I don't need it any thinner. You know what I mean? I my desktop computer does not have to be thin anyway. It stands on my desk. Right, so I do not need my desktop computer to be shaved down to a bloody after eight mint on a stand. And that, again, this see, this is where the shame is that you know, the, the products look good and they are that thin. It's I'm almost thinking now they've painted themselves into a corner by doing this because where can they go? Um, we've we'll go on to the next story after we've done Nemo's hardware store because this is a bit relevant but as we're keeping the show a bit short we're going to just jump over now to Nemo's hardware store and we will be back in about three minutes. We have some premium gear for your iPhone 7 on this week's version of Nemo's Hardware Store. The first item comes from our friends at 12 South. T-W-E-L-V-E-S-O-U-T-H. 12South.com is their web address. Cost in the U.S. is $70. And Mark and Simon will have the U.K. pricing for all the items this week and every week as soon as they are available in Britain. The case is called the Journal, J-O-U-R-N-A-L, for the iPhone 7 and the 7 Plus. Full leather wallet and display stand. Comes in cognac and black. It's full leather. I have it in my hand right now. It smells like I've been down to the tannery or spending some time at a upscale cobbler. The phone snaps into the plastic frame of the interior of the case. And then the inside and the outside are beautiful full leather with slots for your credit card, ID, bus pass, stuff like that. Like everything from 12 South, it's a premium product at a premium price that'll last much longer than your phone will. Beautifully sewn and the brown leather one that I have in my hand is gorgeous. So have a look at this if you're in the market for a premium case for your premium phone. Does not come with any screen protectors. Some people who use a folio-style case like this don't bother with a super thin glass screen cover, but I still recommend them because you never know when you're going to drop your phone and it's going to land on the screen. So well done, 12 South. I just came back from the Apple Store here in Tucson, and I noticed that all of the Olo Clip, that's O-L-O-C-L-I-P, Oloclip.com, all of the Olo Clip lenses for the 7 Series of phones, they're available for sale. Cost in the U.S. ranges from $80 to $120, depending on which of the three sets you get. And there are also add-on connect lenses in the $50 to $70 range, plus cases that are custom fit for your Olo Clip lenses for the 7 and the 7 Plus. I've been using Olo Clip lenses ever since the iPhone 5 Series 
These are the best lenses at the best price with the best optics for macro, fisheye, wide angle, and a 2x telephoto. So study the links on our show notes here. And this would be a great gift for yourself or a gift that you want to ask somebody to give you for your next birthday or holiday or Christmas or whatever season you celebrate. Typically, the Oloclip lenses do not slide onto your phone if you already have a case, which is why Oloclip provides their own case. It's not easy to explain, but if you look at their website and read some of the reviews and links about the Oloclip lenses, my personal recommendation to go with the active lens set, which is the one that costs $120, because with the active lens set, you get the 2X telephoto and the ultra wide, and this will slide over the corner of your phone, over your built-in lens front and back on your phone. And it's the same set for either the 7 or the 7 Plus. You don't need a different one. So if you have an earlier phone, that's fine. If you've got the newer phones, you're in great shape. Strongest recommendation for the best possible photography. So once again, thanks 12 South for that journal wallet style, folio style, full leather case and Olo clip for providing the lenses for our review here at Nemo's Hardware Store on the Essential Apple Podcast. Back next week. Cheers, John, once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. And of course, you'll find all of the products mentioned on EssentialApple.com along with our Amazon affiliate link. And I just need to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to all of you out there who have used our Amazon affiliate link when shopping at Amazon. You don't have to buy the products that John's talking about. You can do, which would be great because it helps us get more products into review, which hopefully we're working on. But also, you can just go there via our link and buy anything you want. And we get a very, and I mean very small amount of commission from whatever you buy. It doesn't cost you anything. The price doesn't go up. There's no box to untick or tick or anything like that. You just shop as normal and we get a very small kickback. And of course... You can't say thank you to the Amazons without saying thank you to the patrons. Without your donations, this show would be a lot harder to keep going and keep producing. So just once again to say a thank you very, very much. Now, with that out of the way, we, the reason I took a break there is because this week there was a rather interesting patent from the USPTO. Thank you. Oh, why can I never find There it is. There's the link on the screen there. Another seamless pro broadcast broadcast even from the u.s patents attorney office which is for i suppose what you could say would be a laptop but imagine a laptop without all the gubbins and where the trackpad would go you would put in your ios device now i'm just trying to see when this device when this right so this was filed back in september 20th so it's still fairly new, and it looks like Apple have been given the patent. But it's a way where, like I said, imagine on a standard laptop, you take out your trackpad, and in there you put an iOS device. And then suddenly you've got a full-size keyboard and a really nice display. So it's like an iPad Air on steroids. And I'm wondering, is this going to be the start of a new generation of iPads that are powered by your phone? because it sort of makes sense. It depends on how much grunt the iPhone could give up to power a big display. 
And is this going to be the fabled ARM-based laptop that everyone has been going on about? Have you seen this um, patent this week, Simon? I I have. I have seen it. In fact, I posted it in the... Oh, yeah. Room. That's where I nicked it from then. So did Ivor and two or three other people, and it's popped up on several other uh, tech blogs because it's quite uh, an interesting thing. Um, Guy, obviously from the MyMac uh, show, has had a big thing about this kind of idea for some time, and uh, it was on show 600. Uh, I'd sent him some thoughts on something he'd said on the previous show, and uh, he dedicated quite a large part of the show to talking about this whole kind of idea of... um, of a, you know, your phone becoming your portable computing core. There are devices out there already like this, though. Sorry, I jumped in on you then. Uh, there oh, are. Well, there, yes, there are. You're right because I, I think uh, I'm sure. I think Motorola do one, um, and I think there's another one where you you basically have a phone which can be used to power a larger device. But my beef with this one is exactly one of the uh, problems I I raised with Guy, and that is if we're going to keep changing the form factor of our phone every year or so, then this kind of drawing where they're literally dropping what looks like a, an iPhone 5, to be honest, into a hole where your trackpad would be so it becomes your trackpad and obviously uses some kind of smart connector or whatever to uh to then drive the rest of the device but that's that device is going to have such a limited usage you change your phone your laptop device is useless uh i can't it does say in the page. I was looking at that, and it does say in the patent that it would do it by a wired or wireless or a combination of both. So it could it could even be, and it wouldn't be too far out of the realms of imagination, a glorified slash hybrid CarPlay spin, because that would work. You you would be using the uh, you know low latency HDMI. You would be using a touchscreen. Uh, you'd be using sort of CarPlay technology. That would be an interesting way to move it forward. But you are right. It's you know the the one thing I would say is that it does look like the iPhone. It's got no microphone port, so it could be the iPhone Seven. <laughs> I don't know. It's not rounded enough. No, it's a generic drawing, obviously, and the idea it, it's just showing you some some way that your phone drops in i mean it could maybe be like a soft foam hole designed to did you just push it in there uh, i don't know yes it, it's interesting it in the in the longer term my, my vision is is that yes things will become more and more about a portable computing core and that 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 will that device will be you know like your account is now on a shared machine and that you you can connect that to a variety of satellite devices yeah so you could dock in anywhere the hp do something 
Something similar. Uh, they've got the HP Elite X3. Um, oh, what is it called? Windows. That's the thing. How would you describe it? Well, HP describe it as the one device that's every device. HP Elite X3 combines PC power and productivity, tablet portability, and smartphone connectivity in a sleek and secure device that can dock with your screens and keyboard when you need to work big. So they're sort of doing this. Yeah, and several people are experimenting with it, but I'm I'm looking further forward than exactly how you could mechanically put your device inside another device and saying that your phone, if you like, is your is your key. That's your portable computing core. And the other devices around you don't have to physically plug it in or use it as a component that you simply you know you're basically carrying around a cpu that's customized to you and when you dock it and when you connect it to a satellite device it's you're using that device but it's actually running from the phone or maybe you know maybe you would have a, a laptop type device which has some extra processing power in it of its own and maybe some storage or whatever, but it it doesn't matter. The point would be that your account lives on your quote-unquote phone. Yeah, I I see where you're going with that. There's obviously a few things here, because if you're using a tablet or a laptop and you've got your phone, you're suddenly losing a device because... I don't know if I'm if I'm working on my laptop. I have my phone next to me, and I tend to swap from one to the other if I'm replying to messages. So, would people feel aggrieved almost that they're losing a device, or would that be a trade-off that you'd be willing to pay? It's sort of, I suppose, it's no different. Like if you're watching a film on your iPad and a message comes up, and instead of swapping out of that app to go and reply to that message, you pick up your phone because. It's just less hassle to pick up your I, phone I, with Touch ID well, and reply I, I, than it I is to multitask on the iPad. The other th- have to give up one device because the way I'm talking about it, your your phone would not become a part of the other device. You don't have to put it inside it or use it as a trackpad or anything. It's simply there, so that in the same way as handoff works now, if you were driving your laptop from this you know iphone 10 device and a message came up it would probably ping up on your screen the same way as it does anyway and you would still be able to take your phone out of your pocket and reply from there because it would just be another screen wouldn't it connected to the device yeah i do like the more i think about the thing i do like the idea of a carplay-esque system where the as you said the bulk of the power is in the unit and i've basically got a second unit that i'm using uh to make the iphone screen bigger but then you could argue that's what's called a, an ipad but it depends on where they want to go and it that's why you think that if they were to repl- if they were to let's say they were to go down this route of you have your iPhone which is the main brains you dock it with something which I'm sure they won't call dock they'll call something really fancy schmancy. What lineup do you think it would replace? Do you think they would still keep the iPads around, or do you think that they would try and shift over to this dock type system? Uh, that's strange, isn't it? Um... 
I don't what, know. Because would, or would the, it just the, be a new category? This, this drawing most blatantly shows a laptop-type device. You've got a fixed, hinged screen, a keyboard, and you're p- putting the phone into it to drive it. But that's not a replacement for for an iPad in any way, shape, or form, is it? I mean... The other thing there as well is... If you're putting the phone where the trackpad is, that just seems to be a little bit too close to saying, because it actually countersings into you know, what we call the laptop base. That just seems to be too much of an opening to say you could use your iPhone, your iPad, sorry, your iPhone as a trackpad. I think that, that in that in that drawing, that's exactly what they're doing. So we are possibly, in- this would be the way... But then we have the other problem then. We're on the way. That means you're on the way to having a mouse. And if you have a mouse, you need a desktop-style OS. And iOS isn't going to... It just won't work with that. I, no. Uh, to be honest, I've looked at this, this patent, and it strikes me very much, because of the way the American patent system works... It's very much a fairly vague. Yeah, the present application describes various embodiments of systems and methods for, for providing internal components for portable computing devices having a thin profile. More particularly, the present application describes an electronic accessory device available to extend and expand the usefulness of a portable computing device. So, what they're really doing is laying down a patent that says, we've patented the idea of docking your phone into another device in order to expand its capabilities. Blimey, have you tried reading the uh, the claims on this? It's, oh, yeah. No, yeah the media items, media assets things. can pertain to one or more different types of media content. In one, embod- in one embodiment, the media items are audio tracks, e.g. songs, audiobooks, and podcasts. In another embodiment, the media items are images, e.g. photos. However, in other embodiments, the media items can be any combination of audio, graphical, or visual content. Sensor 626 is- can take the form of circuitry for detecting any number of stimuli. For example, sensor 626 can include a Hall Effect sensor representative to external magnetic field, an audio sensor, a light sensor, such as a photometer and so on. Bloody heck. Try reading well, that after a couple words, of gins. They, they, it's, that's what patent lawyers do, Mark. You know, they expand the idea to it to be as vague as possible, which is why a lot of people will tell you that, you know, the US patent system is somewhat broken. Because if you can get it worded right you can patent almost anything there is quite a lot of interesting stuff here just this is probably really entertaining to be reading out a document on a podcast the background on here says the appearance of a portable computing device including its design and heft is important to a user as the outward appearance can contributes to the overall impression that the user user has of the portable computing device. However, due to restrictive amount of available space, the portable computing device can require additional resources to provide extended functionality. That's... If you were to ask Tim Cook a question about what would the what would the new stuff do, that would be a very Tim, uh, Tim Cookie, Cookian answer. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting concept. And, of course, you know... Apple patent things all the time and never use them for anything. Um, 
So I don't know. It's an interesting concept, and in some ways, as I say, me and Guy have, have discussed this before, and I am beginning to think that if you want to go for the for the Steve Jobs quadrants, I can very much see their quadrant being divided into Mac OS for professionals and iOS for everybody else. I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily saying it's a good or a bad thing. I'm saying I could see that being where they go so that you've got OS 10 with desktops and full-blown laptops and that is pitched at heavy lifting quote unquote professional users by professional it doesn't actually have to mean that does it you know it's that and and then you've got the consumer based level iOS now not maybe the iOS we have now hopefully a slightly extended iOS and then this kind of idea becomes more viable because people would say right you know if you're going to pay a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars for your iPhone right your pocket computing device do you really want to have to spend another thousand dollars for a laptop if you could just take your phone and stick it into your laptop, which could then be sold probably for a few hundred dollars, and it just simply allowed you to, do you know what I mean? I just. Yeah, if I, if I could pick up my phone and have that to just about scrape by, and that would be the, uh, the content consumption, but then I could dock it. And that word is probably going to get very boring very soon. I could insert it into a device which would then let me say, give me all the power that I need to edit a podcast, which you can do on Ferrite, which I still think is one of the best programs out there for iOS. That, yeah, it's got some mileage, uh, but then are you going to... It's going to eat into something of product, Apple's product line, which they don't necessarily mind. But as we talk about this more, the more I get excited about you know, the potential possibilities of this, and you nailed it just a second ago, is that Apple doesn't always act on what they patent. And I think the, the reason for me why you know, there is a little bit of excitement in thinking, what if, you know, maybe this, maybe that. Uh, would just be because they have been so quiet and it has been such a long time since they've done anything that we can go, ah, right, you know, I could walk into the office and say, I'm happy with this product and not have anyone go, yeah, but, you know, they've sacrificed this or they sacrificed that or it's slower than this. Because I was actually really surprised when my colleague was telling me about, you know, the AAX in, I've just been looking at some benchmarks, is faster than the A9. And again, you we've come full circle. You understand that in some ways, but you just wish that as an Apple user and as a, an Apple fan, you didn't just have to go, yeah, okay, you've got a point there and sort of almost hang your head in shame a little bit. Well, the, the, the other thing, of course, is this obsession with speed benchmarks is 
you know, most of our devices are and have been for some time way, way overspecced. You know, they are way, way overpowered for what most people do with them most of the time. And that's why I'm beginning to lean slightly towards uh, this idea that Apple might be going down a route of saying, okay, there's an iOS ARM based future for consumer electronics, for iPads and phones and then various peripherals or spin-offs of that because you know i'm not being funny mark but 90 percent of people who've had a a desktop pc be it windows or mac or whatever in their home for the last 15 or 20 years or a laptop and and then after that, you know, phones and what what do they do with these devices? They connect to the internet. They do their mail. They do their Facebook. They look at cat videos on YouTube. They instant they instant message their friends. This is what a vast majority of consumers do. So it's very easy for those of us who use our devices in other ways to do more demanding tasks, more demanding on the processors, and, and that is, I mean, to forget that for a lot of people, all they want is Facebook and email and YouTube. And they don't need massive computing power to do that. No, no. If you look in the Slack chat room, uh, I'm just going to scroll here to find a message from uh, Rob in the chat room. So I'm just going to find that now. And with the power of a jump cut, I found the chat in the Slack room. Uh, I could have searched for it, like Simon just said. But Rob in the chat room, uh, we were talking about Mac Minis and my 2012 Mac Mini. It's it's all right. It's a little bit grindy. I see the beach ball a little bit too much. Um, but let's have a look what he said. Uh, he had a Mac Mini and the first one had four gigs of RAM, 2008, uh, and it had 128 gigabyte SSD. And it was faster that is 2009 iMac with 8 gig. Uh, he went on to Fleabay and he was looking for a monitor. He found a 2009 2.3 litre Mac Mini with 4 gig of RAM for just over £100 with two minutes left on the auction. He's put an SSD in it uh, and he's been absolutely happy as Larry. And I've always said this as well. I think with the Mac hardware, we do get longer shelf life from it than Windows. I, I know in work now we've got some uh, four years old Windows laptops. Some of them are all right. They're running Windows 10. Some of them not so so all right. But considering, I would say, since I've had a Mac, I've probably only had to nuke in pave once. And I'm struggling to remember how far ago that was. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, Mark, over the 30-odd years that I've been using Macs, I generally expect to get seven to even ten years out of a Mac. And it makes the fact that in work, 
we have two Mac Pros, the old cheese grater star ones, fully maxed out with multiple hard drives. And I'll, I'll probably use this as the, uh, the artwork for this show. Just sat there doing nothing. And the company's never, and the company's never going to use them. I probably wouldn't use them, but at least I would power it on just to say I've got one because it just looks good. Those are beautiful machines, Uh, and I've been looking into many years. And it's the sort of thing I would do YouTube video on, and I very rarely do a YouTube video. Um, Let's have a look at the rest of the story notes. I think, uh, yeah, we've. I think we've covered everything this week. Uh, thank you to uh, thank you to Ivor again last week for coming on the show. We had some really good feedback about that. Don't forget, you can always leave us a review on that there iTunes. Uh, we've had one a couple of weeks ago. You can do it on your phone. We've got a uh, we've got a YouTube video up on the website that shows you how to do it because it's strangely enough, you can't leave a review for in an easy way if you're already subscribed. So if you want to know how to do that, head over to essentialapple.com. I'm going to put it at the top of the website to say how to leave a podcast review using your iPhone. Uh, And if you can leave some review, that would be marvellous. And you know what, Simon? I think because it's Sunday, the clocks have gone back, so it's actually half three instead of being... No, it's actually half two when it should be half one, and it's Mothering Day Sunday. We've got to go and be responsible adults in uh, do Mothering Sunday stuff. Well, I don't, (laughs) but you do. I think we'll call it a show. Um, So, as always, Simon, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, Well... The easiest way to get hold of me is to use Twitter, and I am at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. We are, of course, on the Google+, Plus, so uh, you could get hold of me there. And uh, if anybody wants to join the Slack room along with the rest of us loons, then just get in touch with us. Yep, please do. Please do. And you can follow us on EssentialApple.com, the Twitter at EssentialApple, Simon said, Facebook, Google Plus, and the Slack chat room. It is a really nice community, uh, especially especially on a Friday, uh, when the Friday shenanigans start, when I might go as far to say that some of us may have had a small wee drinky or two. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, and I, in fact, next week, I will be doing my Weatherspoons app review to follow up on the one that we had last week from Mac Jim. Didn't quite go as well as I planned. And that's all I'm going to say about that one. So once again, thank you very much for listening. And we will be back next week. Cheerio, everyone. Cheerio.